0: Trevor Maddich joining us. One of our favorite conversations. How are you, sir? I am great. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Good to catch up with you. They one of the, look, you know, COVID sucked for all of us, but uh, not, not being able to hang out with you last summer, That's uh, that, that wasn't any fun, man. It's good to have you back down here. It's great to be back with everybody. It really is. So let's talk about, your expectations obviously this BYU team was so good last year level of competition wasn't at a high level but hey you know they played a great schedule Tom did a tremendous job putting this thing that schedule together uh they won a ton of games Zach Wilson's now a high NFL draft pick what are your expectations for this year's team
1: I think this year's team has a chance to show that this program is on the rise not just as a team last year but as a program going forward because You look at, they put 12 guys into NFL camps this summer from last year's team. Five of them drafted, including the number two pick of the draft, quarterback Zach Wilson. So typically, a team like BYU will fall way back from that. Yeah. But this BYU team will be replacing those guys with. Mostly experienced players who have played a lot of football, who have started games, a lot of games in some cases, and are experienced and confident and ready to go. Talk about the offensive line. You were talking with Coach Funk. I mean, they've got to replace three guys, three starters that went off to the league. But the guys that will be replacing them have all started games, played a lot of football, and they're not rebuilding their they're reloading. Yeah. And so this team has competition for the last several years at most positions at a high level, which means that it has a chance to pick up where they left off last year and be another very solid team.
0: I love your opinions on not just BYU but all of college football, so i got to pick your brain on a couple things. Uh, college football playoffs, some of the ideas of changing that up, do you like those? Uh, I do. I, I do. I, I, I came to –
1: disliked strongly i think if you want to put it as gently as possible the 14 playoff yeah not necessarily because of limited access but because of other things that it did to college football one was that it diminished the value of conference championship races mm-hmm. you know you got the Pac-12 and the Big 12 some years they the front runners would lose a game or two early and they were out of the national conversation like they didn't matter and that relegated conference championship races to being basically regional sideshows with very little national impact. And I think that's bad for college football. Going to 12, where they're talking about now in the most recent proposal, having the six highest ranked conference champions get an automatic berth means that you could lose a couple games early. You might have a freshman quarterback. You might have a new coach. Maybe you had some injuries early. But you could come back and in the conference championship game, having lost three games already, beat that undefeated team that's ranked in the top five and you get the automatic burst. So the conference championship race is still incredibly important on the national level everywhere. Whereas with the 14 playoff, nah, not really. The um, other thing that, that I disliked about the four-team race, was that college football on the national level is seen through the lens of the playoff. And as time goes on, most of the conversation is geared toward the teams that are most likely to make it. And the farther you get into the season, the more it distills around Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and then a couple of other teams that might have a chance, Georgia, et cetera. And they're getting most of the conversation. Well, that hurts other programs in terms of recruiting, in terms of donations, all kinds of things. By having 12 you have a lot of teams that in November will have a chance to get into that playoff with an at-large bid, and I think that they'll be in the conversation, and it's better for college football to have more cross-pollination that way all across every region of the sport.
0: In terms of, and this is what I like, and I hope they stick to their guns on this, is that I love the fact that it's like, hey, we're taking the top six conference champions, not... One ACC, one you know, like, like look, last year, if you look at the numbers, Coastal Carolina would have been in. Um, Cincinnati, Cincinnati would have been in. Yeah. The Pac-12 would not have gotten an automatic bid. Now, I'm sure, you know, out of the top 12, maybe another team sneaks in, but that's not a given at this point. I'd like the fact that there's still some uncertainty, and the G5 access or BYU's access is still greatly increased. All you got to do is break into that top 12.
1: And it, it makes the recruiting pitch more powerful at more places. Yes. Because a lot of schools that are top 15 programs for example, wouldn't be able to realistically say, "Yeah, we have a good chance to make the playoff," right? Like if you're the ACC, you've got to get you've got to get over the Clemson hump, right? Yeah. So it's just not but now they'll be able to make that pitch. More schools will be able to have meet the goals of more recruits. To have a chance at getting into the playoff, a chance at winning the national championship. And that's a, a real important thing that I think is important to consider.
0: The uh, The other thing I wanted to touch on is the uh, one free transfer. Uh, a fan? Uh,
1: yeah, because I have to be.
0: Because I have to be. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah, it's like, it's like
1: compensating players, right? Yeah you know, now we've got this name, image, and likeness thing going. We don't know exactly what it will look like, but, you know, we're moving towards the players being able to get some compensation in some ways. But I had a lot of trouble always telling an 18-year-old coming out of high school with a skill that's in demand in the entertainment industry, which college football is, that they can't maximize their market value because people like me had some nostalgia for some vision of amateurism that may or may not have ever existed. Mm-hmm. Who am I to tell that kid that he could be making a hundred thousand to sign and fifty thousand a year? But I don't want you to do that because it makes me feel different about your program. Right? Yeah. How can I tell that kid that? At the same time you start to compensate players and all kinds of things change. And so I understand that it comes down to, you know, just what you're going to value the most. But when you look at I'm sorry, you asked me specifically about – The, trans, the, 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 oh, the transfer, transfer. Yeah. but you can so, roll that into the NLI but it's too. A, it's the same thing about the transfer because how am I going to tell a kid that goes to a place that maybe he feels like he made a mistake, it wasn't what he thought, they have a new coaching staff, whatever. No, you're stuck there. Why? Because I don't want to have to follow you around college football, right? Um, how, how do I tell him that? Now, I get it that it will cause lots of problems, lots of problems, because you'll have a lot of players that will tell coaches, hey, you play me more or I'm going to transfer. Yeah. I'm gone. Right, So now, how does that affect things? Uh, It affects the way roster management does. All kinds of new problems and issues for coaches. But it does open up opportunities for players as long as they don't abuse the system. Right now, there are so many players in the portal that think that they're going to be in high demand that aren't going to have A scholarship anywhere yeah right and so that should shake out as time goes on but overall i have a whole lot of trouble telling people that you can't maximize your opportunity that you aren't free to make your own mistakes or make your own good decisions how can i tell that kid that and i keep defaulting to that position that you've got to convince me that we have to take away rights of that that player because it's better for the overall good of the sport and i have a whole lot of trouble getting over that hump
0: I know uh, I got to cut you loose here in a couple of minutes, but I want to get your thoughts on uh, just what kind of job Kalani Sataki has done here uh, throughout the COVID year, and 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 playing as an independent. It, I think it's one of the toughest jobs in America, frankly, and I think he's done a phenomenal job. But I want to get your thoughts on 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 him as a coach and, and him as a a leader of men here at BYU.
1: Well, you talk about leadership with being an independent in COVID. They didn't have to worry about what the conference said.
0: Yeah, they could set their own standards, so they set the highest
1: level of medical standard. And then they moved forward, and in doing so, they showed a lot of other conferences and programs how to play football during COVID in a way that's safe. And I think that leadership didn't just come from the coaching staff. It also came from the locker room. And really the Built for Life program that you see now mm-hmm. is, is has its foundation in what those players in the locker room did during COVID in this last year. I also think he's building a Power 5 program here. Well, they're a certainly po- playing Power a Power 5 schedule. So. Right. But a Power 5-style program, one of the things that defines that is, are you a pipeline to the NFL? And for goodness sake, they've got 12 guys from last year's team in NFL camps this summer, five of them drafted, including the number two pick in the draft. The So that that, that is improving. That's important. Another thing that's important is how do they replace those guys? And typically a, a school that recruits kind of like BYU will have a big drop-off. Well, you don't get better sending 12 guys to the league, right? But then again, maybe you do. Because BYU is going to be replacing most of those guys with players that, for the most part, have started a lot of games, played a lot of games, have a lot of experience, a lot of confidence. And that's what top power five conferences do. They lose guys to the league, but they've got enough depth that they've got good competition. So the guys that replace them are ready to go. And BYU is building that. Now, fans need to be a little careful about how they evaluate success because they're going from no power five opponents to seven this year. But at the same time, I think Kalani Sataki and his staff are doing a fantastic job of keeping the trajectory going upwards in terms of their recruiting and in terms of what they offer to players, which will improve recruiting down the road and building what amounts to the style of program that you would see in a Power Five conference.
0: Trevor, always good to catch up with you. Thanks for your time. And uh Uh, it's always good to get your perspective, Uh, love your insight, love your analysis, and uh, keep it rolling. Look forward to catching up again uh, maybe next year.
1: Yeah, I look forward to it. Thanks for having me on. You do a great job.
0: Appreciate it. That's Trevor Matic right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone.